So this uh, week, titzave uh, means you shall command. That's the parsha, the portion that we are reading. On your announcements on the front page, you'll see that written with the scriptures under it that we are to have read for this weekend, Exodus 27 and Ezekiel 43 and the New Covenant, Burit Hadashah, uh, Hebrews 13, 10 through 16. And we're going to start from, as you can see here, Exodus 27, 20 is the first verse of this reading. And this is where I'd like to start. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to be reading about this up here. You see this light, which never goes off, in our case, unless the electricity goes off, or the bulb turn. But in, in the time of Israel, this was as long as they had enough oil, and they made sure they had enough oil. So this is called the Ner Tamid, which means eternal light. And in fact, uh, we don't have a current um, group on campus, but our, our um, campus ministry uh, group was called Ner Tamid because we want our young people to be an eternal light. So let's look at these couple verses that start out our reading. Also, you are to command B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, that they are to bring to you pure olive oil, beaten for the light, to cause a lamp to burn continually. In the tent of meeting, outside the curtain, which is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons will set it in order to burn from evening to morning before Adonai. It will be a statute forever throughout their generations on behalf of B'nai Yisrael. So why do we still do this? Because it says it will be a statute for how long? Forever. So I guess forever means... There you go. Um... And olive oil, or oil in, in, in Scripture, oftentimes represents the Holy Spirit. So it brings light, and that's what happens in our lives. When the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, is present in our lives, it brings light. Now, we are also to cause that light to burn continually, just like the Ner Tamid. God is asking that your light would shine always. So let's continue and see another scripture about this. Leviticus 24, 1 through 4. Then Adonai spoke to Moses saying, Order B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, to bring to you pure olive oil, beaten for the light, to keep a lamp burning continually, outside of the curtain of the testimony, in the tent of meeting, Aaron is to keep in order from evening to morning. Does this sound familiar? Um, continually. It's a statute forever throughout the generations. Uh, he is to keep the lamps in order uh, on the pure gold menorah before Adonai continually. So, 
The ner tamid is outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting. Now, last week, if you remember, I spoke on the tabernacle and compared it to now the temple of which is, we are the temple of the living God. We are, the Holy Spirit resides in us. And so if we're keeping this analogy going, just like the ner tamid is in front of the testimony, your countenance and, and your outward behavior has the possibility of being that light continually before the Lord and before people. And so it's representing the testimony in you. <laughs> because inside is of the holy, holy of holies was the the testimony or the commandments of God, and inside us is also the testimony of what God has done in our lives, which we should be testifying about all the time, which is what is showing people the light that is within us because that's what we're focused on. And we are to be, right, a chosen people, priests, right? So we are to be like Aaron, and we are to be the caretakers of that light. That light should always be on, continually. And as we said already, a uh, statute forever. And this is something that our children need to see as well because they need to be in eternal light. So does the light dwell among you? Are you an example of eternal light? Are you in the word? Are you able to be in God's presence so that you're filled up with God's spirit and reflect his light? One of the things uh, in, in I, I love the scripture in Matthew 5.14 it says, you are the light of the world. Just, just stop there for a second and think about it. God is putting a lot of responsibility on you. Each one of you. There's nobody that you does not... It's like he's pointing the finger at each one of us and saying... You are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand so it gives light to all in the house. And what I picture here is that if it gives light to all in the house, it means that everybody can see your light, which means everybody can see your good works as well. Because it says, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your light is to be experienced by everybody. Your good works are not seen without your light shining. If you look at that sentence structure very closely, you see that it says your light will shine before men, and then we get the word so they may see your good works. So the light is shining, and then they see your good works. Think about it. Think about it. 
I want to tell you a little story about me. So most of you have heard some of my testimony. At age 18, I accepted Yeshua as my Messiah. But uh, what you probably haven't heard, maybe you have, I don't know, is that for the next roughly six years, I was a head believer, which means I understood what I believed, but I didn't really walk it. And then, uh, as my wife and I were singing, uh, I was singing in synagogues, and I was also singing with her in church, and we were singing at this Episcopal church. And it was very interesting because I can picture it now. It was a kind of a long church sanctuary. And the majority of the, let's say, 150 people who were in the sanctuary looked pretty glum. But there were these eight or ten people over here that were smiling and happy and engaged and really excited. You could tell. So I went to the assistant rector. Notice, not the rector, the assistant, because the rector was one of them. <laughs> I went to the assistant because he was one of the smiley ones. And I said, you know what? You have something and I want it. And this was right around the, the whole Jesus movement in the early 70s, right? And so he said, okay, what I'll do is my wife and I will come over to your house in a couple weeks and we'll pray over you. And when they did that, my wife and I were transformed on the spot. It changed us completely. And uh, talk about a diverse education. Uh, the assistant pastor of the Episcopal Church recommended that we go to a Catholic charismatic prayer meeting to get more education. What did I know? I said, okay, sure. So we went there. I mean, it was a wild ride. But at any rate, the point is this, that I saw something in, in Ed, he was the assistant rector, and I went up to him and I said, I want it. Because he was carrying the light. And it was obvious to me. There was no question in my mind that he had the light. And I wanted it. So, that's what I'm talking about here. The oil represents God's spirit of continuous light in us. Now, a couple things about the olive oil. Uh, it's found in the Mediterranean, some of it. And oil is, is produced by grinding olives, uh, whole olives and extracting the oil. And it's commonly used for cooking and cosmetics and pharmaceuticals and soaps and obviously oil lamps. And in fact, in, the, in Homer, um, the author, called it liquid gold. And in Greece, athletes rubbed it over their bodies. And in the time of Exodus, it was, if you had it, it was considered great wealth, and it represented wealth and power. So let me summarize what I just said. The olive oil has great value, 
used in most areas of life, provided fuel for light, and God didn't want the light to go out. And so as believers, God doesn't want our lights to go out. God's Spirit represents represents by represented by oil is the fuel for our light god's spirit is needed in all areas of our life and god's spirit has amazingly great value where does the oil come from its trees are hardy it's it's wide and deep root system ensures its survival even in the water sparse mediterranean but the holy spirit is strongly in us our root system is yeshua just like our our uh, what is it called logo thank you that's the word i was looking for thank you bill it was, it's in our logo. I don't know how many of you realize it, but at the bottom of our logo, what looks like roots spells out Yeshua. And um, so our root system is Yeshua, the Word made flesh. And so as we pray and worship Him, uh, this enables us to have our root system, so to speak, be deep and wide. And Interesting enough, these olive uh, trees, they thrive close to the sea where other plants cannot tolerate the increased salt content of the underground water. And the world actually can't tolerate us, can they? Um, when, when we thrive, we're called to be light and salt of the world. So it, it just, as we think about this, and one of the other things is that you have to, of course, like most trees, to make them healthy, you need to prune them. And it needs, uh, it needs to be cultivated, and its fruit matures in, in the late autumn when all the other harvests are over and there's no other agricultural work to be done. Well, we require pruning for our growth. And if we allow the pruning process, we won't need much cultivation, but we need to be cultivated because we're on a journey to grow. None of us have arrived yet, and, and though we have fruit, we, we would love to have more fruit and larger fruit and more tasty fruit, and our fruit doesn't mature until all the agricultural work is done, and that is when we sow, we reap. So, another thing about olive oil which is interesting is that it's dense in calories, yet extremely healthy. Uh, probably Nancy can agree with that one because you're the nutritionist. Um, when we're filled with God's Spirit, we also are healthy. And we have this joy in us. And it's not like the world where sin abounds and that is unhealthy. And, and unlike cereals which can be destroyed by humidity and pests in storage, olive oil can be stored pretty well and it doesn't go bad usually for at least a year. And even though it's attacked by, uh, when it's attacked by light and hot weather, it, it, it you know, it, it's... It starts to get bad sooner. 
Um, and, and we are like that with the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and we get attacked, and we have to make sure that we are strong enough to continue and not allow the storms of this life to make us go up and down and up and down, but that through the power of God's Spirit, we are renewed each morning fresh, and, and we are able to stay strong even when things are not going well in our lives. So, uh, how do we do all of this? Well, we are light when the Holy Spirit helps us choose faith over culture. We bring light when the Holy Spirit helps us uh, choose, uh, helps us to help others choose faith over culture. How do we do this? We practice the spiritual disciplines that are in God's Word. Our disciplines do not compel the Holy Spirit to work on our behalf, but by developing habits, we can draw nearer to God and we're in a better position to be propelled by God's Spirit when He moves. So what kind of disciplines am I talking about? Obviously, prayer. Ask yourself if you had a good prayer time this morning. Did you have a good prayer time yesterday morning? How about the day before? How about the whole week? Did you miss? So it's prayer, reading God's Word, allowing God's Word to go so deep into our heart that it pushes away the dirt and the garbage, and it pushes all those things away so that we can truly be a light. And we won't be a hypocrite because what we are praying and what we're believing and what we're experiencing, we actually are that way. And so, how do we hear from the Holy Spirit? Well, I, you know, I, I'm sure different people, different ways, but the first step always is to desire to hear from the Holy Spirit. The second thing that I would imagine that would be off, awfully good to do is just be quiet and listen. And then once you get that sense of God wanting to speak to you, just ask for direction. Because that's what the, the Holy Spirit is all about. He is there to help us, to direct us, to, to uh, you know, when Yeshua uh, was um, resurrected, he said that the Holy Spirit was left for us to have power and to over, be able to overcome sin through the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit convicts us in right and wrong and directs us and helps us. And so we need to make sure that the answer that we are hearing from the Holy Spirit lines up with Scripture so that we are, have that foundation. Now, the Spirit of God can uh, answer in many ways, and I'm sure He will answer in many ways, but uh, we've, got to, uh, we've got to acknowledge the Spirit of God within us. So one of the things that I like to do, and we've done it before, is in some messages I like to end with Scripture because um, Scripture gives us a sense 
if we're looking, if we're talking about one or two different words, let's see some of the scriptures. Now, because the word tonight is light, and we're trying to be a light to the world, a ner tamid, an eternal light, there are so many scriptures, I just had to pick a few. But I'm going to ask you to proclaim these scriptures with me. So I, I want you to read them out loud. I want you to read them for meaning. We won't rush them. But uh, just understand that these are scriptures that we want to get into our heart and understand what God is thinking about this light that we're supposed to be. So we'll start with Psalm 4-6. Many are asking, who will show us some good? May the light of your face shine upon us, Adonai. Psalm 18:28. For you save lowly people, but haughty eyes you humble. Where, where's the light part of that? Hmm, interesting. Um, Psalm 27, 1. Adonai is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? Adonai is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain and to your dwelling places. See, each of these scriptures are scriptures we can meditate on and get a sense of what God is trying to tell us about light. Let us continue with Psalm 89. Blessed are the people who know the joyful shout. They walk in the light of your presence, Adonai. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 13, I believe it is. Well, it says, one, oh yeah, it is 130, right. The unfolding of your words gives light, giving understanding to the simple. So there's so many things that we can learn from just reading these few scriptures, but let's finish with a couple from Isaiah. Isaiah 42, 6, I, Adonai, called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. So I believe this is talking uh, to Yeshua, and, and so Yeshua is that covenant to the people, to us, and so he is to be a light to the nations. And as he is, as disciples of Yeshua, we too must be light to the nations. Isaiah 49, 6. So he says, it is too trifling a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. So I will give you as a light for the nations that you should be my salvation to the end of the earth. You know, I love uh, trying to understand why my Jewish people do not accept Yeshua as their Messiah. And this verse just seems so clear to me that this is the Messiah and and. When every time, I've said this so often, but every time you see the word salvation, 
you're seeing the word Yeshua, which people could translate as Jesus. So if you, if you substitute that in this last one, so I will give you as a light for the nations that you should be my salvation, my Yeshua, to the end of the earth. Any rate, Isaiah 60, 1 through 5. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen on you. Now, first of all, Yeshua is that light, and, and this scripture is to us, and it's about us, but it's, it's, it's actually about Yeshua. So when it says the glory of Adonai has risen on you, that is the glory, I believe, of Yeshua has risen on us. And let's continue. For behold, darkness covers the earth, and deep darkness the peoples, but Adonai will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light, kings to the brilliance of your rising. Lift up your eyes and look all around. They all gather. They come to you. Your sons will come from far away. Your daughters carried on the hip. Then you will see and be radiant. And your heart will throb and swell with joy. For the abundance of the sea will be turned over to you. The wealth of nations will come to you. I, I, this is such an encouraging scripture. And, and um, God's talking to us about being radiant. Radiant. Then you will see and be radiant, and your heart will throb and swell with joy. I mean, just feel the adrenaline flowing, and, and that you will be filled with joy, and, and, and the wealth of the nations will be coming to you. Hey, that will be nice too. But what we're seeing is the excitement of knowing Yeshua as our Messiah. John eight twelve, last scripture. Then Yeshua spoke to them, saying, again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Yeshua gives us life, and he also gives us the light of that life. We have to take the shackles off, the emotional shackles, especially men, the emotional shackles that keep us from appearing joyful. Because, you know, men have, I don't know how this happens, but there's something about men smiling that is, they do it when they laugh, obviously, or when there's a joke or when they think something's funny, but generally, men don't walk around with a smile. And many times, not always, but many times women do. So what is the problem? The problem is one of focus and one of rearing. The focus needs to be on Yeshua, and the rearing has to be of, from Yeshua because we've, culturally, we are all about seriousness men are and and i believe that god wants us 
to show the joy that he has placed in us so that people will see, and just like I asked from the assistant rector, what do you have? I want it. That people will start asking you, what do you have? Because we want, we want it. It's like the scripture in, uh, what's it, Zechariah 8, I think 22, where 10 men from all the nations will come to a Jew and, and hold on to the tzitzit, to the fringes, and say, let me go with you because I've heard that God is with you. And, and so that's the, the revelation of people to see that God is with us. And so us being a near to me, an eternal light, is, is really almost a requirement of being a believer. It's who we are and who we should be. And, and so we have to allow our emotions to be focused on the Lord and not on our culture or other things. So I would just ask if there's anybody here who has never accepted Yeshua, and if you desire to have the light and the power of God's Spirit in your life, then I'd ask you to pray with me. Lord, I don't deserve it. But your scripture says that if I receive you into my heart, you will pronounce me not guilty of my sins and place your Holy Spirit in my life so I may become a light within this world. I'm sorry for my sins. I receive you in my heart. I dedicate my life to you forever. And if you've said that tonight here or on Facebook, we'd love for you to contact us by phone, by email, by Facebook, however you'd like to do it. We'd like to give you some reading material that will help you on your walk. And let me pray for all of us as well. Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you, Lord for your amazing grace and mercy that while we were sinners and are sinners, you died for us. And Lord, I just ask that you would give us that kind of sacrificial love for our spouse and for our children and for all the people in our family and our friends and all those in our congregation, that we would be willing to sacrifice our own emotional desires to prefer others first, to, to give to others first, to be, uh, to, to just bless people, even if it's difficult for us. So, Lord, help us to get out of ourselves. Help us to make, let, let ourselves not be the issue. But let the issue be your love for us and our response by loving others. 
let us truly be a ner tamid, an eternal light that others will want to be around. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your love, which is unconditional. We thank you, Lord, that you are training us up. And we pray, Father, in the name of Yeshua, that we would be acceptable, Lord, to you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory in the name of Yeshua.